2: It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump, and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This impeachment of Mayorkas, we will discuss it. We're going to talk to Senator Ron Johnson about this foreign aid garbage. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Tony Bobulinski, the military. So much tonight on I'm Right. All right, before we get to Andy Biggs and all this Mayorkas impeachment stuff, I just wanted to get this out of the way real quick first. We had a special election in New York last night. We got creamed. It was a district where we had a Republican, and his name was George Santos. You're probably not a big fan. Doesn't matter whether you are or not. He was not convicted of any crimes, and Republicans in the House joined with Democrats to expel George Santos from the House. New York then has a special election to decide who the congressman's going to be, and the Democrat comes out and wins easily. I will once again stress that Democrats are much better than we are at the blocking and tackling of winning elections. We better stop worrying about poll numbers and start focusing, or we're going to have a very, very rough November. That's all I have to say about that. Now let's talk about Mayorkas getting impeached. First, let's dunk on that loser, Ken
5: Buck. You can uh, try to put lipstick on this pig. It is still a pig. And this is a, a terrible impeachment. It sets a terrible precedent. The first impeachment of, of Donald Trump was a bad impeachment. And we've got to stop this in, in this body or we are going to lose our, our, our credibility with the further lose our credibility with the American public.
4: What an interesting way to put it. When I say interesting, I mean completely stupid. This sets a precedent, but the first impeachment of Trump was bad. So that would mean... That That's the precedent. Anyway, let's ask the congressman about it. Joining me now, Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona, one of the managers of the Mayorkas impeachment. Congressman, before we go any further, it's hard to get wins in Washington D.C. You got one. Congratulations to you.
6: Yeah, I mean, this is a win that let's face it, none of us would like to have gotten. We would prefer that they actually yeah. hit, that Mayorkas actually enforce the border laws, right? I mean, that's. Uh, and and that he wouldn't lie to Congress and that he wouldn't lie to the American people and that he wouldn't violate the law that he's supposed to do. But but when somebody is doing those things, they have committed a high crime and misdemeanor. And it is our moral obligation, in my opinion, and our constitutional obligation to to do what we did. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to dance on the grave, but I will say uh, it, this was perfectly justified, in my opinion.
4: Obviously, it was justified. You can't take over DHS and purposely open up the border and then lie to Congress about it. Okay, you are one of 10 impeachment managers as this now goes to the Senate. Normal people don't understand this process at all because it's so rare. Can you explain to us, idiots like me, where we go from here? What are the details of all this?
6: Well, first of all, Jesse, you're, of course, not an idiot. Um, But here's the way to think of it. We have, we're holding the impeachment docs here. They have not been transmitted yet. I asked this morning, um, and we will position ourselves. So we'll be ready to go over and present evidence. So what you saw was kind of the indictment, a grand jury type of proceeding and what you will see in the, in the Senate, uh, this is according to the constitution will be a trial and, uh, those of us who are managers we will present evidence, we'll we'll bring in witnesses, we'll bring in documents, we'll testify, we'll argue, we'll debate this, um, and uh, Mayorkas will have uh, people that are defending him, and so we have that trial, and then you actually have a vote uh, within uh, the Senate whether to uh, remove from office or some other intermediate uh, punitive measures.
4: Congressman, can you tell me, is he going to be required under oath to answer questions? What I'm concerned about is the standard stonewalling we get from all the federal law enforcement and intel agencies, all that. I can't comment on an ongoing investigation crap they pull all the time. Or is this human being going to have to sit down and answer hard questions from Republican senators?
6: We hope so. Um, Don't forget that um, the way this went and during the um, Trump impeachments, they, the Senate managed him to, to try to limit certain uh, uh, testimony from coming in. We would love for him to come in, Secretary Mayorkas, and I want the American people to hear Secretary Mayorkas say things like, yeah, we, we can't comply with the statute. So we just made up our own definition of operational control and we're content with that. We believe that we are in operational control, regardless of the fact that we're violating the law. and." We have hundreds of thousands of people coming into our country every month.
4: Yeah. All right, right, let's shift gears here on this. Tony Bobulinski, Joe Biden's former business partner sat in front of you yesterday. What did you learn?
6: Well, what I learned is for me, the most important thing was, was he credible? Do I believe him? And the answer is yes, he was credible. Yes, I do believe him. And then he brought back, he brought in his documents. And those documents to me are particularly uh, uh, damning to Joe Biden himself. He talked about his meeting with Joe Biden. He talked about multiple meetings with Joe Biden. He talked about uh, his discussions with Hunter and James Biden. And and uh, basically you, the Democrats want to say that he's, uh, his, his reputation for veracity is not good, but his reputation is good. And what we saw in his performance was that he's telling the truth. And the fact that he's telling the truth indicates pretty clearly that everything that it corroborates, everything we saw in the FD 1023, it corroborated what uh, Devin Archer said, what Rob Walker said, what the whistleblower said, and that is that the Biden family is corrupt. And they were working together and they were selling the product of Joe Biden. And when you sell the product of Joe Biden, uh, that product included access, it included, uh, basically uh, influence peddling. Those types of things which we saw in Ukraine, we saw it in China, we saw it with Romania, we saw it with Kazakhstan, we saw it with Russia uh, and other uh, Eastern na- nations. Yes, I think he was, he was very good and uh, I think the Democrats really had a tough time with him, to be frank with you, because uh, they were trying to it, it, they were stuck trying to say things like, wait a second, you said you got a COVID test, in Nashville on this date, but but the FBI hasn't recorded that you got a COVID test on, on the day after that at the White House. And he just says, I was never at the White House. I mean, those are things you can corroborate. And they didn't corroborate any of that stuff. So it, it, I wanted to say to him, look, why don't you go just check the White House logs? You'll find out that he never went to the White House, that type of thing.
4: Andy, did you get a sense of why he's turned on the Bidens? This is a, I mean, it's not some lifelong Republican here. He's a man who votes Democrat. He's, I want to know what his motivation is to turn. Did you get any sense of that?
6: Yeah, I'm going to give you, um, I think his overarching deal is he believes that Joe Biden is corrupt. I mean, that's the bottom line. and And he, in fact, he thinks there's overwhelming evidence of that. And he thinks the American people should know that. And he is sick of them lying about it. Second thing is he believes that Joe Biden and his son, Hunter defrauded a company um, uh, that that was ostensibly set up fairly and cleanly, but because of their corruption, they defrauded that company of which he was a part of. So he's got um, what I would call patriot, patriotic animus and he's got personal animus, um, but, I, I do believe that in, in the end he looks at it and he says the only people that actually even want to get to the truth uh, happen to be this group of Republicans. He, so he might not necessarily agree with this politically, but he also wants to get the truth out.
4: Yeah. all right, Congressman, I can't let let you go before I ask you about this pile of crap. Ninety five billion dollar foreign aid bill. Is this thing dead in the House or are we in trouble here?
6: i uh, tell you why I'm, I, I'll just say this in its current form, it's dead, but I am nervous. I am nervous that they, that somebody's going to try to rework something and, and we'll see how that plays. But, but in the current form, it is dead. Oh, that's
4: fantastic. Congressman, thank you for bringing us some freaking good news and some W's out of DC. Those are rare these days. I appreciate it. All right. There are good ones there. We have another one coming next. Senator Ron Johnson out of Wisconsin. Before we get to Senator Johnson, it is Valentine's Day. Going to take your honey out tonight. You guys going to sip on a glass of wine, eat some delicious food with melted cheese. I hope you do. Enjoy yourself. But tomorrow, your liver will probably be angry with you because you just flooded your body with all that garbage. I do it all the time. I'm not judging. What your liver needs is a helping hand. That's what liver health formula is. Drug-free. All natural. Drug-free. Drug-free a way to support your liver. Your liver cleans everything you put in your body so your body can keep going and then we just neglect our livers forever, like they're nothing. We have to care for them. Help you live longer. Go to getliverhelp.com slash jesse and try some. getliverhelp.com slash jesse. We'll be
0: back.
5: Republicans in Congress who think they can oppose funding for Ukraine and not be held accountable, history is watching. History is watching. History is watching. Failure to support Ukraine at this critical moment will never be forgotten.
4: History is watching. Aren't you so tired of being told that? What does that even mean? Joining me now, Senator Ron Johnson from the state of Wisconsin. It's amazing to me. You know what, Senator, before we get on to all this foreign aid crap, It's amazing to me that we have a good senator from a purple state in Wisconsin and our red state senators in general suck. Can you explain how that
5: happened in this country? Really can't. (laughs) Wish it weren't so.
4: Yeah, no, I wish it weren't so as well. Okay, so $95 billion in foreign aid, Ukraine, uh, Israel, Taiwan. Uh, You and I have had this conversation before, but it's, it's wild how people act like we still have money. That there's an, even if you're the most passionate Ukraine or Israel person in the world, all, all that's fine. There's no money left We're just borrowing all this stuff.
5: I'm actually glad you started there because that'd be the first complaint. Is this is money yes. we don't have? Uh, you know, we, we just happen to spend 880 some billion dollars a year in defense, and every time there's an emergency, you know, we got we got to mortgage our children's future further. Well, you know, what are we getting for the 884 billion dollars? It's a serious question to ask. and One of the things I found out during this debate, uh, for example, Russia can produce 4.5 million 155-millimeter shells. That's the main artillery shell that they're firing at each other. Russians can, can fire 10,000 a day. The West, we can't, I don't think, even produce a million uh, a year. Uh, so Ukraine's firing a couple thousand a day. But but here's the point on, on funding. Russia produces those shells at $600 a shell. Our military industrial complex charges us five to $6,000 a shell, 10 times the price. Uh, We're we're not getting the bang for the buck, uh, not even close. But again, the the more basic uh, issue here is, should we really be spending and sending $60 billion as fuel for the flames a bloody stalemate. Uh, where's the strategy to end this thing? Every day that goes by, more Ukrainians die, more Russian conscripts die, take no joy in that, and more Ukraine gets destroyed. So if you're concerned about the Ukrainian people, you ought to be asking, well, what are we doing to their country or what is being done to their country? Listen, Vladimir Putin's an evil war criminal, but it certainly sounds uh, like in Istanbul, he was willing to end this war pretty early on, and it sounds like he might be open to it again, why aren't we even talking?
4: Okay, Senator, I'm glad you brought up why aren't we even talking, because our administration, and frankly, Republicans do this as well, leadership, Mitch McConnell types, they love to brag about all the munitions we've sent and all the Russian troops, American munitions have killed, but we used to fight proxy wars in a more quiet way because we didn't want it to become more than a proxy war. When did we shift and now we just go to step up to the podium all the time and we brag, of, oh, yeah, we killed a bunch more Ruskies. Yeah, we're murdering the Russians. They're going to respond at some point in time. It's a nation state. They have to.
5: I guess that's when we got really stupid as, uh, you know, as leaders. Uh, listen, I, again, I say I take no joy In the death of Russian conscripts. I mean, these are probably young men yanked out of their villages to be used as cannon fodder in Putin's war. Um, So one one of the more depraved justifications, by the way, for this funding is, well, the $60 billion really isn't going to Ukraine. That's being spent here in America to build up our military industrial base, like it needs to be built up further. And uh, that's going to create jobs in your state. Uh, That's a depraved justification for uh, supporting Ukraine.
4: Gosh, it is terrible. All right, you uh, did an X Spaces and talked about Mitch McConnell and secret negotiations. Could you elaborate on what what's the newest nefarious thing that Mitch McConnell tried to pull?
5: Well, remember when President Biden asked for this military supplemental, you know, something like $110 billion. Uh, back then it was for Ukraine, Taiwan, Israel, and then $14 billion for the border, but, but not to secure the border. To hire more agents to more efficiently encounter process and disperse illegal migrants all through america it's been about at least six million so far uh, to date. so mitch mcconnell his top priority was always funding for ukraine once we started hearing from our constituents that you know what you probably ought to do is secure our own border that is a clear and present danger to this country we ought to secure that before we spend billions to secure somebody else's border uh, first of all, it's true. It was a very effective political point, and even Mitch McConnell had to bow to that. So all of a sudden, he makes a about-face turn and says in conference, "You know, colleagues, we, we need to def- defeat this cloture vote on the supplemental to show that Democrats were serious about securing the border." Now, I, I kind of rolled my eyes when I heard him say that because uh, I figured some, in some way, shape, or form, the fix was in here, and that's what ended up happening. So instead of debating this in public. You know, on an issue that the vast majority of Americans agree with Republicans on to secure the border, to force President Biden to use the executive authority he has. And we don't need to pass more laws. Some would be helpful, but we really don't need to because Trump used existing laws to secure the border. Biden used his existing authority to open it up. So he could use the same thing to close it, but he wants an open border. He causes problems. So we needed some forcing mechanism. And that's all we ever asked Mitch McConnell to do. Okay, you're, you're, I guess you're in charge of negotiations. You're the leader. All we want is to tie Ukraine funding to actually securing the border. We talked about this repeatedly in conference. You know, I actually have metrics, uh, thresholds that the, the president has to meet before money flows or continues to flow to Ukraine. Unbeknownst to us in the secret negotiations that Leader McConnell set up, uh, he apparently told James Langford, "That's not even on the table. We're not, we're not even talking about you know some forcing mechanism. Uh, we're just going to do this massive immigration bill that was so awful, so bad. You know, listen, guys like me, you know, I didn't kill that bill. It killed itself. Once it saw the light of day, people saw the language. This is worse. Than it was being leaked. And so even Mitch McConnell on the bill that his staff was in the room. This was Senator Murphy told us his staff's in the room." McConnell wrote the bill, is what Senator Chris Murphy, the Democrat, told us. McConnell wrote the bill. The very bill that McConnell wrote, he ended up, in the end, voting against and encouraging every Republican to vote against. I mean, go figure. It was a disaster. So we've taken an issue that the American people agree with us on, and now we've given the Democrats exactly what they wanted. The Democrats didn't want to secure the border. They want an open border. They caused this problem. All they were looking for was political cover. And Mitch McConnell, you know, Mr. Long Term Strategist, you know, the the genius uh, politician, gave Democrats cover on the border. You, You can't make this up.
4: Let's talk about that genius in giving them cover on the border. I have a really cockamamie theory, and it's just a theory, but. Boy, he ran cover for Democrats on an issue that was going to hurt Democrats badly this coming November. It's almost as if he wants Republicans to have a bad November. He had to know there was no way a crap bill like this, an amnesty bill, was going to actually pass. So why bother with all these secret negotiations or cobbling it together unless you want Republicans to lose?
5: I don't know. I think Mitch McConnell's primary goal has always been to be majority leader. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't think that'd be his motivation. I, I, again, I just, as I said, I, I don't think he ne- could negotiate his way out of a paper bag. What he's very good at, <laughs> what he's very good at, <laughs> is assembling or getting just enough Republicans to join Democrats to pass Democrat priorities. That's that's what I've witnessed in the 13 years I've been here. He's great at just getting you know nine or ten of us. And in this case, he got 22, which I, is I find pretty depressing. But uh, again, a minority of the Republican conference to join Democrats to pass their priorities. Uh, I I don't consider that effective center right, certainly not effective conservative leadership.
4: No, certainly not. Okay, Senator Alejandro Mayorkas has been impeached. Obviously now he's going to go stand trial before the Senate. I think everyone knows how this is going to go, but are are we in store for any surprises? Is he actually going to get kicked out?
5: I I can't imagine that. I'm doubt there will even be a trial. I don't know ex- the, all the rules around impeachment. Uh, I, I don't know to what extent the, the Democrats may be able to just call this up as a as a question, table, table the uh, uh, impeachment and just move on. This may be a, a one quick vote and over. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen.
4: Um, would you explain really quickly what you found about the Joe Biden missing documents? Because Joe Biden's trying to put a bow on this whole thing and declare the matter done now that the special counsel has finished his investigation. What did you find?
3: Well,
5: there were reports that there were four or nine page, or nine boxes of documents up in his Boston office. And that, that was why the reported, Senator Grassley and I wrote about it. And then uh, as, as we went through the uh, special counsel's report, uh, oddly enough, there's not a mention at all of those nine boxes. We do know the FBI, uh, reviewed that we have no idea what the special counsel did so you know we, we just written a letter going what what happened to those nine boxes i mean you've got a you know multi-hundred page report here you're completely silent on uh boxes that the you know they had to secure they were concerned about them uh what happened to those so beyond that i really don't know much but it's a it's a glaring omission in the special counsel's report that
4: sure is senator thank you i appreciate it very much thank you for coming on yeah all right, now, Margot Cleveland is gonna join us next, talk a little bit more about these documents, talk about the intel agencies running an op on the Trump campaign in 2016. This story dropping is eye-popping, and that's for those of us who knew about the spying. Anyway, before we get to that, let's get to this. You heard me ask the senator about the money, and it, you heard his answer. They don't care. Republicans don't care. Democrats don't care. $34 trillion in debt. The average American is crying at his grocery bill, can't afford the rent. And these people don't care even that much. It's just a check for them and a check for them and a check for them while you watch your standard of living disappear. Get some precious metals now. Make sure you have preparations for the dollar to keep going down. They're not even pretending like we're going to return to where it was. The only question is how bad will it get? I think we all know looking at what they're doing now, it's probably going to get pretty bad. Oxford Gold Group will get it in your retirement. That's important so you don't lose it all when the bubble goes pop. They'll get it in your physical possession, gold coins, silver coins. But they can't do this unless you call. Call them, all right? Call them, eight three three nine nine five 995 gold Tell them I told you to call. You might qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. 833-995-GOLD. We'll be back.
5: bottom line is the special counsel in my case decided against moving forward with any charges. And this matter is now closed.
4: Matter's closed. Well, I guess we should stop talking about it. Let's stop focusing on any of the crimes the president has committed. Joining me now, the great Margot Cleveland, senior legal correspondent at the amazing Federalist. Okay, Margot, you did some more digging into all this stuff. What'd you find?
8: Sure. So I looked at the details in the special counsel report and specifically the appendix where the special counsel's team laid out what the different classified documents were, what they referred to, what the dates were. And amazingly, it was a very clear overlap between what Joe Biden was doing and what Hunter Biden was selling. And we saw that from the classified documents that were retained by Joe Biden.
4: Oh, okay. Can you, that is certainly an interesting wrinkle. Can you elaborate a little bit? Basically what I'm asking is, was Joe Biden as a senator and or VP taking classified documents out so Hunter Biden could sell that information to somebody?
8: I, I don't know if he was taking the documents out for the documents to be sold. And the thing that I think is a bigger picture is it wasn't so much that he had specific documents that tie to what Hunter was doing, but that he had access to many more documents, that he had access to the information in those documents. So he kept ones that dealt with the Ukraine policy. He kept ones that dealt with the call that he made to Ukraine after he gave the threat, fire the prosecutor or you don't get the money. So he kept those documents, He kept them even though they were top secret or above. He shared documents with his ghostwriter. We know that Biden has lied about his dealings with Hunter. We know he was careless with these classified documents. And we know what he did as VP lined up with Hunter, what Hunter was selling. So I don't really care if the documents he took were ones he gave to Hunter. What I care about is what he told Hunter, what he told Hunter's business partners while he was vice president. What types of information did he share? And all of the documents that they recovered tell us Joe Biden had access to that information and didn't care about keeping it secret.
4: Margo, Tony Bobulinski obviously gave some testimony yesterday. It's very clear at this point in time This was Joe's business, right? This is something we've talked about endlessly on the show. It's not Hunter Biden's business. Joe's the big dog, Hunter's the bad bad man.
8: And, And it's interesting because it wasn't just this witness, Tony, that was testifying yesterday. We had, and I did a piece earlier this week, where we had one of his friends who was actually trying to defend Hunter Biden. And this individual, and I'm blanking on his name right now, Rob Walker. So Walker was testifying and he was being very clear. He didn't think the Bidens did anything wrong, but he was going so above and beyond trying to excuse everything. It was lacking in total credibility. And what do we have from that exchange? We had that Walker texted Tony and said, hey, my chairman, Is actually his dad, Joe Biden. So he probably took offense to it, you know, leave it alone. So we have a friendly, Rob Walker, who was trying to, you know, trash Tony during his deposition, saying, oh, yeah, he's lying. He's not anything to, you know, to pay attention to. But Rob Walker, who's a buddy of Hunter Biden, is the guy who texted and said, yeah, my chairman is Joe Biden. So if his own buddy is admitting this, my chairman we know who is at the top of the family business and it's not Hunter Biden
4: Margo one of the most eye-popping stories that's come out not that it was surprising to me is this quote sources say us intelligence agencies tasked with tasked foreign partners with spying on Trump's 2016 campaign Margo what please tell me that this story is bunk tell me the Central Intelligence Agency and others didn't go to our allies and tell them to spy on the political opponent of the president of the United States.
8: Well, I I can't tell you they didn't. And in fact, I, I think I've been suggesting they've done for several years. But yesterday's article was huge because now we actually have sources that indicate that there are documents that will back this up. And it always was clear that the investigation wasn't launched on July 31st of 2016, crossfire hurricane, that it was started earlier than that. And one of the figures that everyone had been pointing to was Joseph Mith. And he was connected in Italy with where the CIA, FBI, other Western intelligence does training. So all of the, all of the, you know puzzle pieces were there were being put together but the problem was we didn't have any insiders now we do thanks to the sources and it sounds like there's going to be more information coming forward on this too
4: okay margo what do we believe exactly they did spying on a campaign sounds bad but it's kind of a general term but what are we thinking these people did what could they do
8: So what it sounds like at a minimum they did is they tasked different assets to go and bump into different members connected to the Trump campaign. And then they would try to get information from them or even prompt them with information to make it look like there was a connection to Russian intelligence. So we can look at the example of George Papadopoulos. What happened with him is we had someone chatting him up in a bar, and the next thing you know there's this supposed genesis of Crossfire Hurricane, but it wasn't just him. It was discussions with Carter Page. It was discussions that Stefan Helper tried to have with George Papadopoulos. And what were they doing? They were approaching people connected to the Trump campaign. And then when these discussions were going on, they were leading them to talk about Russia. And then they took that back to our intel and said, hey, this is something you should be worried about. And that was used as a basis to do an investigation. Uh, CIA director, former CIA director James Brennan actually admitted to this, uh, I think in 2017, that we had foreign sources telling them of this connection. So, what we have now is the sources saying that Brennan would actually put together, uh, or his, his uh, intelligence committee or community, excuse me, had put together a list of over 20 names of people to target. And here, I think George Papadopoulos is an interesting one because he was targeted even before he was announced as publicly connected to Trump's campaign. So Papadopoulos knew he was going to be working with the campaign, but a few days before it was announced and a few days after he knew about this, all of a sudden a FBI liaison invites Papadopoulos to Italy and that's where he runs into Mifsud and that's where Mifsud starts this connection, bragging supposedly about sources in Russia and introducing him to supposedly Putin's niece. So this started a long time before it was officially started. And it also looks like somehow someone was feeding. The Western intelligence, what was going on in the Trump campaign for they to know, for them to know that Papadopoulos was going to be joining it.
4: Yeah, Margo, thank you for that. That was eye popping and frankly a little bit disheartening. Thank you, Margo. Golly. What, what does that mean for us as a country if all the intelligence agencies in the FBI conspired? to attack the political opponent of Barack Obama. Remember, it was Obama. This happened under Obama. Obama was president. These commies, man, they never change, do they? They're all the same. All right. Now, the military is having some issues. Let's talk about those issues in a moment. Before we do that, let's talk about Lone Star Transfer, the company that gets you out of your timeshare. I know what happens with the timeshares. Are you stuck in one? Do you want out? Are you tired of stroking that check every year, paying your annual fees for a timeshare you don't use anymore and or can't even get into if you want to use it? And you've tried to get out and they've told you you're not allowed, that you're locked in for life, you signed the contract. Lone Star Transfer has heard all this before. You know how successful they are? 99%. 99% of the time, they will get you legally and permanently out of your timeshare. Just call them. They can't help you unless you call them. You call them, you can be free. 844-310-2646 or you can go online, lonestartransfer.com. We'll be back. All right, let's have a, a difficult talk about the military. And I think now is probably an appropriate day to have this talk. As you know, we've talked over and over and over again on this show about the rot inside of our military. And I need you to be clear about this. This is something I care very deeply about. I know it's something you care very deeply about. It's very, very difficult to get the general public to care about it. When you go talk to Norm or Norma this weekend when you're at a party and you're telling Norm about the the rot within our aviation, within the military, he may act like he cares, to be polite. He may even give you the, oh, wow, yeah, that is concerning. But he doesn't actually care. Most people don't actually care, and I understand why they don't care. Military rot is one of those things you don't care about and you don't think about until the absolute worst happens. That's the problem with it. It's one of those things that can exist under the surface, rotting and rusting and rotting and rusting, and the general public cares not, knows not, cares not. And then one day you wake up and a carrier group is at the bottom of the Pacific, and you're looking around wondering, how did this happen? Well, God forbid that day comes. I hope it never comes, I I am very worried that it will. When did it happen? It won't happen on that day. It's happening right now. Christina Wong put out an article in Breitbart about the military training accident deaths we have. 16 non-combat military aviation uh, mishaps already. That's 36 service members dead. Dead. Now, let's pause for a moment before we go any further. Remember, as we always do, as we always remind people, training deaths are not in vain. They matter a lot. It is important for people to understand these are heroic people who died for a cause. What cause? Well, their cause is their own, but deaths in training create adjustments they cause adjustments to be made necessary adjustments that save lives in the future oh these guys died because of this we need to fix this and that so in the future fewer people die all right so we'll get past all that there has been a and i quote significant spike this is according to christina in the rate of class a flight uh, flight mishaps per 100,000 flight hours for both the navy And the Marine Corps, that's from February to February. Now, what's that about? What are we talking about? There have been a lot of mistakes made in the air. Let's do some inside baseball stuff that you will probably either know or you will get, but Norm sadly does not. Our troops, let's focus on the air for a moment. We are letting in too many pilots. Why are we letting in too many pilots? Because we don't have enough of them. We used to just wipe out pilot classes because the standards were so strict. We had more pilots than we needed, so you'd have a class of 130 of them graduate. You, 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 and you. Go. You're not good enough. Goodbye. That's how it should be. It should be the elite of the elite. Now we have classes where they graduate 100% of the class. You should never, in an elite military unit, have 100% of the class graduate. If 100% of the class graduates, that's a bad thing. So we're graduating people who shouldn't be pilots. Once our pilots get into the fleet, get into the Navy, Marine Corps, what we call a fleet, they don't get the training hours they need. We think about this huge military, and of course we have all this stuff, right? All this fuel and planes and everything we need. Our guys never get in the air. It used to be our guys would be in the air all the time. Now I have reports, we've talked about it on this show, Once a week, our guys get in the air. Well, again, this is another thing that people won't understand until it's too late. The United States of America has never, ever, ever, ever fought a war with somebody where we didn't have air superiority. Have Have you ever read a book or watched a documentary about the other side in any of our various conflicts? I've done many from their perspective, meaning you're reading a, a Vietnamese officer's perspective of the Vietnam War. They're fascinating reads. It's very fascinating. I'd recommend it. Go ahead and read what it was like for them when an American airstrike came. To hear them talk about it sounds like the most terrifying thing ever. They'd be sitting in the tunnels underground in South Vietnam, all those famous tunnels, sitting there holding each other, praying because of the awesome killing power that rained from the skies. We've always been the aggressor in that. We've never lost control of the air. All you've seen is little brief glimpses of what happens when you lose control of the air, like Pearl Harbor, where we didn't have control of the air. That's what happens. What do we do if there's a military out there, China, who knows, that can wipe our planes out of the sky? No one can care about this now. No one will care about this now until that fateful day comes and we're looking around wondering, how did this happen? And we have a military that is so full of vile communist scum in leadership, I'm talking about generals, admirals, that our people now, I mean, this is is Sebastian Gorka did this with Mike Slater, our people now, they have different concerns on base.
1: We have mandatory pronoun lectures at Fort Bragg. And I'm not kidding. Son of a friend of mine, Green Beret, comes back from the Baltic states where he spends a month teaching the Bolts how to kill Russians in case they get invaded because you know Putin wants to invade them too. And he comes back to Fort Bragg, the home of the 82nd, the home of the Green Berets, and he's put in a classroom for mandatory pronoun usage lecture. This is a snake eater. This is the best of the best. And
4: listen, I'm not trying to just score cheap political points. There are only so many hours in the day. Our troops are not ready for combat, many of them. Yes, our guys, our Rangers, Green Berets, Marine Corps infantry, those types. Yes, those guys are always ready. The frontline guys are always ready. Our other troops are not ready, and they're not ready in large part because of this stuff. They email me day after day after day saying, Jesse, we never go to the range. I'm in a classroom every day learning about how gay the military should be. We need more women here. Whitey's evil. Our guys don't have the training. There are only so many hours in the day. If we're going to meet, you and me, in a year, and we're going to try to kill each other, And you spend every single day, eight hours a day, ten hours a day training to kill me. And I spend four hours a day training to kill you. And the other four hours a day learning how to cut my penis off and why white people are evil. When we meet, I'm going to die because there are only so many hours in the day. And our great people are getting out. It's not just recruitment. Recruitment's a fancy thing to talk about now or or a trendy thing to talk about now. People are all the recruiting numbers, recruiting numbers, and that matters a lot. Don't get me wrong. But what people aren't getting is the retention numbers are more devastating. Our trained people who are in, they don't want to serve anymore. They're getting out. They email me all the time. Jesse, I can't do it. Jesse, I'm finishing up this tour and I'm done. Jesse, I'm doing my 20 and I'm out in a year. Jesse, I can't wait to leave. They see... They see a military leadership structure that is rotted to the point it's a national security threat. Look, you can pass it off as some political moment on TV, but Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, having 13 of our warriors killed unnecessarily in Afghanistan, responding to that by murdering 10 innocent Afghanis and then going on television saying he has no regrets, the troops heard and they didn't like it.
1: Do you have regrets about the withdrawal from Afghanistan? Uh, I support the president's decision. Do you have regrets about their withdrawal or how the withdrawal occurred from Afghanistan that cost the lives of 13 of our service members?
5: I, I don't have any regrets.
2: Look,
4: that wasn't just a moment on TV. Guys who love this country. They're in there putting it all on the line, deployed away from their families six months, a year, sweat, bleed, misery. They hear things like that after the embarrassing debacle that got our guys killed. And you know what they wake up and do? They look at their buddy, they look at their wives, and they say, this isn't worth it anymore, I'm leaving. So we have a brain drain in the military as well. We're not ready. For whatever may come, we're not ready and we better get there quickly, or that dark day I described a couple minutes ago is going to get here, and it's going to hurt. All right. Enough of that. Let's lighten the moon, all right? You know we have a special coming on Michelle Obama, courtesy of Mike Slater. Would you like to watch that special? Probably worth watching. You have to go to thefirsttv.com slash support and sign up. Sign up to become a First TV supporter. Go learn a little more about this woman that we really don't need as president. We'll be back. It is time to lighten the mood. And look, it's Valentine's Day, right? And what what do we celebrate on Valentine's Day? We celebrate Al Capone massacring his opponents in Chicago on that famous day. I'm kidding, obviously. Valentine's Day is about love. It's about the one you love the most, the one you cherish. And so I thought, look, it's so rare for me on I'm Right, but I thought tonight I should give a shout out and some credit to the person who means more to me than anyone else in the world. Happy Valentine's Day. You look terrific. All right, I'll see you tomorrow.
1: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals,
7: To the legend behind Labamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C.,